glad you came to church today. Amen. God's good. You may be seated. It's good stuff. Great to see you. I'm going to uh, spend a couple weeks talking about family. It does come out of, for those of you who've been here for a little while, it comes out of the last couple weeks where we've been talking about the difference or how to get from the real situations, what we see with our eyeballs and what's going on, to those ideal situations, our dreams, God's plan for our life, His will, what we hear in the Word, and how do we deal with the tension in the middle. I, I would say, and probably, probably be, be pretty correct, that a lot of that tension that you face in this middle ground ha- has to do with family has to do with folks that are around you, folks that are related to you, and you got to love them, regardless of, of, of what they act like. Uh, one thing I, I know for sure, God's about family. He, he made Adam and Eve in the garden. They had kids. They had children. And he said, go, be fruitful, and multiply. And, and he, is, he is a God for families. And we are a church for families. We spend a lot of our time, we spend a lot of our, our, our income and, 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 and finances on children's ministry, in the nursery, in the youth department over there with the students in Blaze. They're over there right now. They've got a whole facility over there. And let me tell you what, they're not making the rent. So get on your kids. Tell them to get out there and get a job, start making the rent. No, it's <laughs> between them and the children, they're just not carrying their own weight. I think we all just throw them out in the street. We just all have church in here and it's an investment, right? It's called an investment. And in your home, your children probably aren't going to pay you back for all that you've done for them. Do not smote them. Invest in them. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about family, but then in the middle of November, we're going to talk about parenting. And Elizabeth and I haven't done everything right. We've made a lot of mistakes. That's why we know so much. And uh, you learn from other people's, other people's mistakes and your own mistakes. And we, we've made plenty, and we've seen all yours. So we've, we've got it all figured out. But what I want to give you an opportunity to do, and I felt to do this, but I didn't know how. We're, we're going to give you an opportunity. I know many of you say, you know what, I'm not a parent, I'm a grandparent. Great. You still have questions. You know, I'm just an auntie, I'm, I'm just an uncle, I, I don't have any little kids in my house. Yeah, but you got little kids who are looking up to you. you got little kids who you are helping raise. you got little kids who you're supposed to be. So when we get to that part, don't check out on me. But what I'm asking you to do is if you have questions, get them to me. Because we're going to take some time at the end of those services and just answer some questions. I'd like you to email them, if you could, to parenting at victorylafayette.org. It's a new website, or not a new website, but a new email address. We started parenting at victorylafayette.org. Just send them in there. If you don't want your email attached to that, that's fine too. You want to remain completely anonymous, you can go to the website, and there's a little box on the website in current events that says parent questions. Click that, and a thing will come up, and you'll fill it out, and you won't be attached to it at all. We actually email that to ourselves, and so your name is never attached to any of that if you want to be. But we know who your kids are, so we know who it is. <laughs> we sit down with the children's department and say, who is this person? No, just kidding. We may not be able to answer them all, of course. You'll all have questions that we won't you know, be able to get to at the moment, that time, but we'll try to get them answered somehow in some form or some forum, some way, if we put them on web or whatever. I don't know how we're going to do that. But uh, please do that if you have questions about, about raising kids, about parenting and those kind of things, and we'll try to fit all those in as we go. You know, your family's crazy. There's no doubt about it. There's no two ways. We can't say something different. You, you, you got crazy situations going on. You got crazy folks in your family. You got, you got people who, who you wouldn't have picked right? They're blood-related. I mean, they fell out of the same tree you did, and you, and you want to know why God did that to you. You want to know why, how could, God doesn't make mistakes, but what about this person? He might have made one. I don't know where they, you know, we've all got, we got stuff like that. And, and as I talked about this in the first service, you know, I talked today about, about being tender-hearted 
and about being humble. And, and, and no kidding, before, the, before we said amen and got people out the door, there were two or three people up here telling me that this was for me, this is where I was, this is my life, this is what I've been going through, this is what I've dealt with, this is where I've been. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, a mistake that God has us here in this time, in this season, to hear some of these things. I don't call myself an expert, but I will tell you this, we got a crazy family too. I mean, I know it looks like we're all pretty and we all dress up just like you do when you come to church, but we all go home and we got, we got, we got, we got those crazy people. But you know what's happened over the years as we've responded in love, as we've walked in humility. I say we, I'm just taking, you know, as Pastor Pam and Bill have done that in, in our family and then in the branch of the family that, that is our grandparents and aunts and uncles and all those kind of things, we've seen people's lives change. My Uncle Gene was a wreck, a train wreck, an alcoholic, had been through all the different rehabs, had spent all of his money, pulled into our house on fumes in the world's most disgusting car you've ever seen. Thank God I was old enough to make my brother clean that up. I wasn't going to do that, but it was disgusting. He ended up his life transformed and changed, set free. Man, the power of God touched his life, but why? Because there were a couple people who loved him and cared about him enough to say, you know what, we're going to look past the faults, we're going to look past the mistakes, we're going to look past all the junk that you've done and all the failures that you've had, and we're going to look to the man of God that it says you are in the Word, and we're going to speak that, we're going to believe that, and you know what, we're going to stand along with you, and if that means you come and live with us in our house, then you come and live with us in our house. But you know what, it absolutely changed his life. Are we in it as a family to do that, or are we in it for a family for us? Every time I would just about get my room to myself, my brother and I would split up. Uncle Gene showed up. Great. Back to my brother's room. Uncle Gene moves out. I get ready to move back down. Then Deborah moved in. Oh, good. Deb's here. I get to move back. See, there, was always, there was always something. But how many of you know there's always something in your world, too? There's always somebody. There's always something. Now, my disclaimer is to, to, to take the things that you learn or, or are taught or shown by God in these next few weeks, to take them and to apply them to your life and your situations the way that the Holy Spirit leads you to do. But the words and the principles and the truths that are found in the Bible, they're for each one of us. God is no respecter of persons, and he is faithful, and he performs his word in our lives. But I will tell you this. He will lead you and guide you to use those things in your life differently than maybe he did in somebody else's. My main concern is when I do this or when we talk about parenting or we talk about loving our spouse or we talk about these kind of situations is there's abuse or there's things going on and people say, well, pastor told me I had to love him and I had to stay put and do all those kind of things. I'm not advocating that at all. I'm saying be led by the Spirit in everything that you do and if there are those situations, don't look past the check in your spirit about what's going on, right? Can we say that before we move on? Some are more spiritually mature than others, so I don't want to lead you down a wrong path. Your family may be the Cosby show. You guys just may all love each other and just get along like, like everything's just perfect. You may be Duck Dynasty. Have you seen that show? These guys with the beards and everything else. They got it together, but they're a little backwards, you know. They are. I showed that show to Corey. He didn't understand it at all. Now, he's from Chicago. And I, I wanted to show him this. I said, you've got to see this show. This is awesome. And I show him this. If you haven't seen this, this is about these guys in Louisiana who are, who are rich duck hunters, and they do nothing but live in the woods. and just do. They are hilarious. They've got these big beards, and they're just, they're wild. They're Elizabeth's family, all packaged on a TV show. <laughs> and I can say that because she knows. I mean, it's, I've even been texting her, her, her nephews, Daniel, you are Jace. Man, I mean, this guy, is, you are him. 
And Daniel's laughing. The funniest part of the show for me is to watch Daniel and Elizabeth watch these people. And they, they, they are just, one of them's Danny, one of them's, I mean, Paul. One of, they're all these characters, you know, whether it's, anyway, if you haven't seen the show, you've got to check it out. It's a good show. But they got it together. They may be different than everybody else, but they really have it together. They pray, they eat together, they work together, they live together, they love each other. They don't always get along, but you know what? In the end, they know that they're together. That's important. Do you know that about your world, about your family? You may be different, but, but, do, you, but do you know that you're in it together? See, when I, when I began to talk about this, I began to talk about being tenderhearted. Why? Because we harden our hearts. If I have to go to one more Thanksgiving with that guy, I'm telling you what, right? We started off loving him. We started off, we got saved, and we said, you know what, God? I'm going to be there, and I don't care if my brother-in-law, Joe, well, that's a bad word, brother-in-law, Scott, anybody named Scott? Brother-in-law Scott's there, and he's being mean to me and saying bad. I'm going to go, and I'm going to show him the love of Jesus. And then about three years later, he said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to strangle him with the love of Jesus. <laughs> See, somewhere in there, you, you stopped being tender. What did we say? That's the last straw the last chance that guy's going to get i had somebody come to me after the service and said you know what i stopped going to thanksgiving because of the hardness of my heart and i missed some stuff i didn't go because of the hardness of my heart for my brother or sister or whoever that was in that situation i can't remember then a little bit later my dad passed away and i never got to see him before then and the, the reason i didn't get to see him and talk to him and i know i'm going to see him again in heaven god has restored me and taken care of me but the reason i didn't go is because hardness in my heart it's real we try to make it funny because it's easier to laugh than it is to really think about it. But if you look in Proverbs, there's a scripture here that says, Proverbs 28, 14, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life, but a hard-hearted person lives a hard life. How do, how do you get hard-hearted? Especially when we all come out soft, as we all come out tender. Maybe God's done a work in your life and he's changed you. And, and how do we start off with this pliable, workable heart and end up hard? Over a period of time. Daniel asked us one morning, or asked me one morning when he was making, he made some coffee, he's drinking coffee now. He calls it coffee. It's actually some kind of strange conglomeration of French vanilla creamer and about this much coffee. But, and it's cold. He, eats it, he drinks it about an hour after it stops, and, he, and then he goes, boy, this is hot. I'm thinking, that's, that's not hot, son. How, how do you, he says, how do you drink that hot coffee? I say, well, over a period of time, it'll stop bothering you because you'll become callous to it. See, over a period of time, doing the wrong thing, you'll get callous to it, and it won't bother you anymore. That's how people end up down the wrong road. How did they get six miles off the road? They know better than that. Well, they took one step off the road. And that journey of six miles off the road that got them in the wrong direction when they know better than that in their heart and they were raised better than that started with a single step. And it continued step after step. And you become callous to that. I told him, the longer you drink coffee the more calloused your throat and your mouth become. And that, that hot, that, that scalding, burning hot thing doesn't bother you anymore. My Uncle Buck can just drink it like it's ice water. Just drinks hot coffee all the time. He used to freak me right out. How does he do that? He's been doing it his whole life. Don't become callous in your heart. Remain tender. 
See, in our world today, we deal with the de- many of you who have grown up in this world and you're a little older than I, you would not even you can't even fathom how we got to the point in this world where people are taking to the ballot a definition of marriage that says it doesn't have to be between a man and a woman. That doesn't how did we ever get there? We just kept going in that direction. One step at a time. Becoming callous to the truth, becoming callous, not wanting to hurt somebody's feeling, not wanting to stand for righteousness, not wanting. See, we just give up a little bit of it each time as we go. And now we deal with a whole different world. But I'm telling you what, your children are growing up in a world where that's all they know. Who's teaching them any different? Yes, bring them to church. They're going to learn stuff. Yes, we'll teach them and train them and try to do that. But they're with you more than they're with us. That's up to us as parents to instill the truth of the word of God in our children so that we don't end up in this kind of situation. You can go back to the middle. You can come back to righteousness. But you're going to have to train a generation to do it, which means you're going to have to live it in your own life. Because I know one thing about kids. They won't believe you if you don't live it. You can say it all day long, but if you're not living it, they will not believe you. It hurts us when they call us hypocrites, but most of the time, they were right. See, hypocrites is somebody who says one thing and does a different one. Don't be like that because you'll find yourself calloused. You'll find yourself in a place where you don't even realize it anymore. In our lives today, we deal with divorce. And I don't just mean divorce like between the man and the woman. But think about in your own world, just for a second, how many of you are not touched by the craziness and the sadness of divorce through your own life, through your kids, through your sister or brother or maybe your parents? I mean, raise your hands if you've been touched by divorce that way. Just, I mean, just be honest. I mean, it's most of us. That wasn't the way it started out. But let me tell you this. Even in the midst of that, you can walk in joy. You can walk in peace. I deal with those kind of situations all the time. You probably do as well. Who's going to pick them up this day? Who's going to pick them up that day? Well, we can't pick them up because we don't get along with this person. This person's not getting along with that person. And then you know what? I can't invite them to dinner anymore because they're related to this person who's, who used to be married to this person. It doesn't, nowhere in the word does it say honor your, your ex-husband. It says, children, honor your stepfather. Now you should, right? But it says, children, honor your father. See, the X and the step and all those words that we have to deal with now, those weren't, those weren't written in the word that way. But let me tell you what, God can make it work. He can. He can make it work in your life. But it's going to take you not getting hurt. It's going to take you not taking an offense and walking in unforgiveness. Yeah, Pastor John, but what about them? I, 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 we, the only person we can deal with today is you. Well, I'll bring them next week. Okay, <laughs> that'll be good. See, God can deal with, you teach me, then I'll tell them. Right? I mean, that's, we're, we're already thinking about all the other people in our life that need to be fixed or be here. And invite them all to come, bring people. I mean, you may know people along the highways and byways of life who are going through stuff, maybe with their kids, maybe with their brother, their sister, their brother-in-law, maybe with their parents. Who knows? Bring them. You don't know what God will do. But the way we don't invite somebody is to say, you need to come to this because you know what? You need what Pastor John's talking about. You have never done that, Danielle, I'm sure. 
I think I've heard you do that. <laughs> Not with Erasmo, with somebody else. I'll tell you what, I'll go get them because you know what? They need to hear this. Well, let's get you a set of earphones first. <laughs> right? The only person you can deal with is you. Well, I've been hurt. Yep, we've all been hurt. Well, they've done me wrong. Yep, we've all been done wrong. But the difference between maybe you and the person in your family continuing in that direction is you keeping your heart soft. You keeping your heart right. You keeping yourself pliable. Yeah, but they're never going to get it. Well, not with that confession. I've tried. I'm telling you what I've had. It's my last straw. They've stepped on my last nerve. No, they didn't. You just don't want to try anymore. Now, again, see, I'm not talking about abuse and those kind of horrible things. I'm just talking about you not liking your sister-in-law. Right? I'm just talking about you not enjoying the things that your brother has been saying about you. Or if I have to play cards with that one one more time. Jesus didn't upset card tables in the middle of Thanksgiving. He upset tables at the church. Right? When they were trying to, to, to mess with the sanctity of his house. But the, he, he didn't go around the, the neighborhood throwing the card tables around. Getting mad and throwing his cards down. I'm out of here. That's Christian-like. It's not Christ-like, right? Look in Philippians chapter 2. I'm not throwing stones. I, I'm just enlightening us to just the idea that, that we need to, in our heart, we talked about it last year in September. We, we, we talked about heart attitudes and, and how we can, 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 our heart gets callous because of hurt. The Bible says that we're not, we're not defiled from within. We're defiled, or we're defiled from within the things that are in the inside of us. What he built us and made us to do is to have those hurts pass through us and past us. I know they're serious. I know they're real. But I also know that the word says that I'm an overcomer and that I can get past that because he who is in, on the inside of me is greater than that, that thing. But I, I have to let it go. See, I have to let it pass through me. Otherwise, if it stays on the inside, it begins to defile me. It begins to callous my heart. It begins to build a filter in my life. And then everything I do and say, everything you do and say, I filter through this thing. I'm not saying the hurt is imaginary because the hurt probably is, is real as day. But what, what I'm saying is we're allowing that hurt to, to be the filter between the way we, we hear people, the way we talk to people, the way we see what people are doing. They may not even be doing that, but, but because of this filter of hurt that we have up, see our heart being calloused and not being tender. I know having a tender heart opens you up to hurt, but the idea is that that hurt passes through us and that we cast that thing on him who loves us. So that helps us deal with all this tension because we're not hurt anymore. In Philippians, if you look there in chapter 2, it says, if, now I like this because I, I was reading this when Pastor Pam was preaching, and it, and, it, and it spoke to me because I think sometimes we like to think, you know what, I'm justified. But this, this says, this talks to us on all different levels. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I haven't been walking with Christ much, so I don't know much, so I can get away with a little bit. He even takes care of that. You say, man, I've been walking with God a long time, and I know a lot. You know what? I'm just done dealing with piddly people. Well, he deals with that guy, too. I mean, he deals with all of us in this first couple sentences here in the Message Bible. Paul says, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if you've gotten anything 
out of following Christ. You will find yourself somewhere in here. How many of you know Jesus? You love him and he's your man, right? So have you gotten anything out of him in these years? Yep, then this is for us. He goes on, though, after that and says, if you, or if his love has made any difference, has his love made a difference in your life? Yep, then this is, he's headed to us. If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, he says. And then he says in the end, if you care. So I mean, if, if you care about the people in your life, if you care about your family, if you care about God's will being accomplished, not just in your life, but in your family's life, if you care about that, what he's telling you is, hey, I'm talking to you. Then he says to us after that, do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. The New King James says, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside, and this was the whole gist of the deal here, help others get ahead. I don't want to help them get ahead. They're trying to hold me... Help others get ahead. How do I do that? Ask God. I'm trying to help them. I've been telling them all the things they've done wrong. (laughs) Maybe God has a different way. Right? I am helping them. Granted them for 16 weeks. Okay. Maybe they deserve that. I don't, you know. That's why I say, take the truths and apply them by the Spirit of God in your life. He hasn't probably called you to be that person's Holy Spirit. I know you know it all. I know you have all the answers. I know you could fix your sister in this much time if she'd just listen to what you had to say. Right? Those kids of mine, if I could just give... Those kids of my sisters, if I could just give them a piece. I think we need to stay outside the house because you got your own house all... You got your own problems. Right? If I could just get my brother-in-law to... Now listen, this happened. If I could just get my brother-in-law to treat my sister better, I'm telling you what, this whole thing can be worked out. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to give him peace of my mind. Had somebody come to me after service. The next passage in the scripture, 5 through 8, we're going to go there. It talks about humility. And I had somebody come to me after service and say, (laughs) I was about ready to give my son-in-law peace of my mind for not treating my daughter right. And just to let him know that he's about to throw all this in the toilet, if he doesn't get his act together and doesn't straighten up, it's going to give him a few pieces and some things he could have done. Heck, I was even going to tell him how to come back to the Lord. You know, I'm going to tell him how to pray about it. We're going to make it spiritual. But she said, you know what God told me? Walk in humility and pray for him. Are you sure? Because I can tell him. <laughs> right? See, it says that Jesus, in these verses 5 through 8, it says that Jesus came into this earth as the Son of God, as deity, as the King. He came into this earth, and he forsook that part of who he is, and he took on this part of being a human being. That's 
humility. He decided to love each and every one of us and each and every one of those people who were there in his time. He decided to love them regardless of what they did to him, regardless of what they said about him, regardless of the way that, he, the way that they acted. He came and he tried to bring people to a new level. He didn't condemn them for the level in which they were. When he found the lady who had been caught in the midst of adultery, he didn't say, you wicked and vile woman, how can you do this and break the law? He said, go and sin no more. There's forgiveness with what he talks about and what you ask, he'll forgive you. But then there's a second part that says, let's go to another level, don't do it again. But he didn't beat her down for where she was. Where are we? We want to beat you to a higher level. Right? I want to kick you to a higher level. I didn't see Jesus ever beat somebody up to a higher level. He loved them to a new level. So with that situation, I said, God told you to, 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 to just be humble and pray for him. She said, yeah, and you wouldn't believe the difference that it's made. It doesn't get much more real than that. Somebody, you know, somebody's daughter married to some guy, and he's not doing the right thing, and they have kids, so now you've got your grandkids in the mix, and now you're the grandma and the mom and the mother-in-law, and, and you can fix it all if they'd all just give you a minute. <laughs> if they'd all just listen... They've probably given you lots of minutes. That's probably why they don't listen anymore. But, but really, who can fix it? See, who do you trust? I don't trust me. I can get wacko sometimes. Usually not on Sundays or Wednesdays. I'm usually pretty good. But on those other days of the week, I can get out there. I don't have all the answers for you. I think I might. But I've learned a long time ago that the things that I got going on, they may not be the answers for you. My, my best action, your best action, is to get God involved. And you get God involved through humility. Because it says in his word, if you look in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. All the old people said, amen. <laughs> yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God does what? Resists the proud, but gives what? Grace to the humble. See, when you begin to walk in pride, when you begin to think, I have the answers, I know. Now, I'm not telling you God doesn't tell you to share something with somebody. I'm not doing that. But don't disguise what you want to share with somebody under that umbrella. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you saw a nice book at Joyce Myers, and it was about joy, and they're unhappy, and you just decided, you know what? Whack! God told me to give this to you. Probably not like that. Maybe God wanted you to read it first. Highlight it for him, something. It goes on, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves, in verse 6, under the mighty hand of God, that he may, what, exalt you in due time. You may have the answer, and he may want to use you. Let him open up the door to when that is. See, I, I do believe that God uses people. 
But how many of you know, the closer you are to the heart of the situation, the more difficult it is for God to use you in that situation. See, when a husband and wife get at odds with each other, they usually both think they're right. But it usually takes a third party or somebody else to get in the middle of it and say, you know what, hold on, let's hear what God's saying. I know what God's saying. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) I don't even want to hear that version. Right? How many of you know when you're in the see when you're in the heat of it with your sister or your brother-in-law or whoever that is, you, you think you're the righteous, you're the you're the righteous scepter of God being being put into the situation, and you know what? I'm the one that prays and you don't, so you better listen to me. That's gonna go over well. Probably not. But if you're humble, tender hearted, with a real true love for that person and who God created them to be begin to pray for that person. Not that they get it right. Not that they finally figure out that what you said was true. God, just help them see that I was right. You laugh because you prayed that. Danielle, i got to stay over here, honey. But we say that, don't we? God, help them figure out that they're doing it wrong. How about God, help them Open up their eyes, soften their heart, make them who you created them to be. There's a difference. Now, I would say this. In your family, think of it this way, okay? It changes sometimes when you think this. Because sometimes you do want to just punch them out. But what if... You're the only shot they got. I mean, he's our hope. He's our shot. He's the way. We're not the way. We're not. But what, what if you being who God, maybe you're the only person in the world who's going to stand for righteousness in their life behind the scenes in prayer. Maybe you are. Do we want to ruin that and then do we want to go that other direction and just get in the flesh? Nope. It says... Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. See, biblical humility is a little different. It's a decision to put someone else's desires ahead of your own. That's hard to do. See, parenting is all about you trying to make your kids' lives better and not ruin your own. That was Willie from Duck Dynasty. There's wisdom in that show. See, you know as a parent, it's about laying your life down. But as a brother or a sister, you're thinking, I don't have to lay my life down so much. Nope, because Jesus said in John, no greater love does a man have than this, that he do what? Lay his life down for his friends. They're not my friend, they're my family. They're your first friends. They're the ones that God saw fit to put you with. I know that does not make sense to us. But there's a reason he puts you with your parents. There's a reason he puts your kids with you. And it's not to drive you nuts. It's because he trusts you. He said, you know what? I've got these beautiful little ones that I, I want to I wanna give to somebody who's going to really take care of them. 
Now, they got different personalities. They got different desires. They got different gifts. They got different traits. They got different stuff. But you know what? I'm going to give them to you. And you're not going to know what to do. How many of you know? I mean, you learned a lot more. (laughs) You're better grandparents than you were parents, for the most part, except for mine. They've been good at all of it. So what he says is you're going to have to not get your heart trampled on. When you have kids, you're not going to be able to get your feelings hurt. Because they're going to hurt your feelings. They're going to say some things that you don't like. See, they're going to they're do some things that you would rather them not do. But you still have to be able to not have a filter between you and them. And be able to love them like Christ loves them. To be able to love them like God loves them. That's why he gave them to you. I know you want to kill them and make another. But, but he, he wants you. He wants you to bring, he trusts you to bring them to the fruition. See, all the way to the point where they can be young men and women of God making a difference in the world in which he created them for. Holy moly. At that point, we say, you know what? Give me my brother back. (laughs) So you have to be humble. You have to get on your knees, not just with your children, but with your sister-in-law and your brother-in-law. See, with your uncle, with your aunt. They've hurt me. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. That one lady said, I stopped doing stuff because of the hardness of my heart, and I missed something in my life. Don't be that person. The other person says, I was about to give him a piece of my mind, but you know what I did instead? I was humble, and I prayed. I'm not saying God won't use you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. That means when the time is right. Right? Will you accept the responsibility? Will you open yourself up? Will you move past the hurt? Will you move past the past? Will you say, okay, God, I I don't know what to do, but, but, but I want you to make a difference in my family and if you see or choose to use me in it I want to be there Joseph went through hell but God had a plan for him to take care of his family in the end and the people who ran him through the hell in the beginning were his family I know you don't want to stand anymore I know you want to punch them out I know you want to give them a piece of your mind but Joseph said sir I'm going to follow you and this plan's going to be fulfilled and if I have to rot in prison I'm going to rot in prison but I am not going to get a bad attitude it says everything his hand touched prospered so I know that he's followed after God because when you don't follow after God it doesn't prosper anymore but will you choose to be like that to say you know what I'll stand for my family I'll do it. You may not have a clue as to what to do, but God does. Let's stand up together and let's pray. It's going to be a good bunch of weeks. I'm telling you, God's going to do some stuff, huh? Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, 
I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.